Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. And that link will be in the show notes. If your brain is in that mode where almost every day or many times per month, you're triggered into a migraine cycle, it may take a while to get your system calmed down enough and notice significant relief. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Access to functional or specialized medicine testing and standard blood work is a big piece of personalizing care plans to help our clients succeed. But getting accounts with multiple labs and ordering and tracking results from many different web portals slows efficiency by bogging us down in admin work. This is why I'm completely obsessed with our podcast sponsor, Rupa Health. It's a single portal that allows you to order from over 20 specialty labs in one incredibly simple dashboard. I'm talking less than 30 seconds to set up your free account and about 30 seconds to order the labs you need. All the results are in one place and I can securely send clients their results with the click of a button. A big advantage for our clients is that standard blood work can be ordered for almost two thirds less than other direct to consumer lab sites. Rupa is a lab concierge, so they send the lab invoices on your behalf if a client pays for their own labs. They help them get set up with a lab draw, navigate testing questions, and they provide the requisition forms. It's literally a dream. Go sign up for free to help streamline your practice and simplify ordering labs for your clients at rupahealth.com. That's R-U-P-A health.com and let them know I sent you when you sign up. You can also check out the show notes for this episode for a short video walkthrough of how I use Rupa Health in my own practice. Today on The Less Stressed Life, we have Danielle Aberman, who is a registered dietitian who left the field of nutrition many years ago, but returned after her diagnosis of chronic migraine. This happened as she realized how few resources were available for this common and sometimes debilitating condition. Migraine-oriented eating can mean many things as there's no one migraine diet that helps everyone or fits into their lifestyle. So she could help people beyond just diet and nutrition. Danielle became a certified health and wellness coach. 
Managing stubborn migraine often requires a multi-modality approach. Danielle lives in Florida with her husband and daughter and loves spending time in her garden and cooking with family and friends. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you, Krista. I am thrilled to be here. It's my passion and I'm just thrilled to be here and talk about migraine. Well, and you might be a humble person, but you help thousands of people with free resources. And I kind of thought you would be the best person to come and talk about migraine and diet overall and all of the other pieces that go with migraine. I will just make a note that we did a fairly recent episode, episode 192, Mastering Migraines with Dr. Adam Harcourt. That was super fun, but we didn't cover anything about diet. We talked about types of migraines, kind of how they present, and also like interesting abortives and just from kind of a, a different neurology standpoint. So this is a very different angle for us today. Yet, because it doesn't mean that when you're listening to this, you've listened to that episode or that you remember. If you're listening to this, you you know may know that you already have a migraine. But for everyone else, let's talk a little bit about the differences between migraine and headache. Can you have both? And how does someone know which they're experiencing? Oh, sure. That's a good way to start with this. You can have both headache as well as migraine. The difference mainly is that with headache, and they can be pretty intense, the symptom is mainly just head pain, and it can be also involving the neck and sometimes involving the face. Typically, headaches can like come and go throughout the day. They're often responsive to over-the-counter medications. Whereas with migraine, the most common feature is the headache. That's what most people think of as a headache, but it can be mild, moderate, or very severe and debilitating. But there are also some things that differentiate it from headache. Usually it's longer lasting. It can be short, like only four hours, but it can be something like 72 hours as well. Migraine is often one-sided, but not always one-sided. It may be pulsating. I think most people think of migraine as one-sided and pulsating, but there is a lot of variation. It doesn't have to be that way. It's also associated with different symptoms like nausea and vomiting for some people. Others might be very sensitive to light, to sound, to smell. They also might find that they're very sensitive to certain touch in parts of their body, like their hair follicles, like they might find that their scalp always feels super sensitive during a migraine. A lot of people will call it like sick headache because with migraine, you can just feel overall fatigue and just a general feeling of being unwell. Mm, Yeah, it sounds much, neither sound good, but with all of those symptoms, and I know you have talked to a lot of migraine sufferers over many, many years, and you have your own experience and your team's experience, you know, this could make someone pretty concerned, right? So let's maybe talk about some things that usually should be ruled out at new onset. And so things that should maybe should be ruled out. Here's some things that could go under that question ruled out. You know, if we know any causes or if you've seen any patterns, or if you know when things start to present in life, For example, do we sometimes see migraines presenting after XYZ life event or anything like that? Like this is such a, it seems very horrific and for it to just maybe start to arise out of nowhere could feel very concerning. So what do people typically do first? That's good to rule things out. You're right with it often happening at certain phases of life. Some 
children get migraine. And this is often something that happens, will often happen before puberty. The good news is that for boys, once boys go through puberty, they tend to get better. So there seems to be some protective factor associated with testosterone. Girls, unfortunately, tend to get worse. And we assume that there is a strong hormonal component to migraine because two to three times more prevalent in women than in men. So you have changes in hormones that will sometimes trigger the diagnosis of migraine. Sometimes it's other big stressful events. It could be, you know, going through college might bring it on. Somebody might have been a very headachey person. And then all of a sudden this has crossed over from being a headachey person to somebody that is actually diagnosed with migraine. And then, of course, a big time when uh, people get diagnosed with migraine is in their late 30s and early 40s when they're going through perimenopause because their hormones can fluctuate quite a bit and, you know, cause havoc in their migraine brain. When did yours start? Mine started, well, I think I was always a headachey person. I started at around 2021. I noticed my first migraine. I had aura and the aura was all of a sudden I was sitting there and I noticed that everybody seemed to have half a face. It was the weirdest thing. Migraine with aura can be just when the first time you have it, you're scared. You're like, oh my goodness, do I have a brain tumor? Am I having a stroke, an aneurysm? You know, your mind goes to everywhere when you start noticing very strange vision. So that was 21. And then fortunately, I remained low episodic until perimenopause. And then things kind of went crazy on me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes when I think about a condition, I always think you can look at it through a lens of a triangle and each corner of a triangle can have, you know, some play into that issue. So you mentioned emotional stress as one angle. And then I always look at nutritional, which we're going to cover today. And is there sometimes a structural component as well? I mean, is that part of why you go to neurology to rule things out? Or is there other structural components that can be at play with migraines? Absolutely. There definitely are some structural concerns that a a neurologist would rule out. They would do a neuro exam in the office. And based on the neuro exam, they might want to send the neurological exam as well as the history. From that, they may want to send you out for an MRI or a CAT scan. The MRI or the CAT scan are going to show some structural abnormalities if they're there. Most often, that's not the case. Most often, films come back as negative. And based on the history, the neurologist will likely say that it's migraine. Mm. But there are things like whether it's brain tumors or Chiari malformation and other structural problems in the brain that could result in migraine, of course. And the good news is that most of the time, that's not the case. It's good news. Yes, it's good news. But a lot of times people want to be able to point to something and be able to have a simple Mm -hmm. fix to it. But I think most people are relieved when their tests come back showing that there's nothing to see. Right. It's more, there's more to do. You were speaking earlier and it made me just think about neuroinflammation. I have a lovely schematic that kind of has, it has inflammation as the bubble and then it's got stress chemistry and dysbiosis and the effect on the innate immune system and TH1, TH2 balance. And then there's a bubble that ties into overall inflammation for neuroinflammation. And since we're going to talk about diet, anytime I've seen, you know, the history of neuroinflammation, which maybe is caused by a car accident from a concussion, such a big one history of concussion as a kid, I've really been impressed 
with the utility of diet in it, gut health. And so we're going to chat about the options there. But before I guess we even get into that, can we talk about the overall treatment pie, as you called it in your Facebook group, treatment pie. I loved that of migraines. Like what are the parts or modalities that could constitute a checklist or a kind of how we approach migraines? I think the reason why we call it treatment pie is it it helps people to kind of visually understand whether you call it treatment pie or the pieces of the puzzle that will help them get better. I think it helps people to understand that migraine is complex and it's probably not going to be any one intervention that helps the most. Well, it'll be one that'll help the most or one or two that will help the most, but to really get relief if you have frequent or chronic migraine, it usually requires a multimodality approach. So a treatment pie of different things that you throw at migraine. And we have the main parts of it would be medications, supplements, diet, intentional movement. We try not to call it exercise because that that brings up a whole other issue with migraine, prioritizing quality sleep, making sure you stay very hydrated, Meditation is another aspect of the treatment pie, as well as therapy. So it's hard to do all of these eight things at once, but we usually talk to people about figuring out a three or four that they're going to take on to try to really engage in to get better. I was writing them down and I missed the first few medications, intentional movement, sleep, hydration, meditation, therapy. What else is in the treatment pie? Supplements, sleep. Yep. Okay. Got sleep. that one. <laughs> Priority, prioritizing getting a good night's sleep. Okay. Was diet part of it or no? Yes. Diet. Okay. Got it. So it's a good comprehensive approach for sure. So we're going to get into diet, but first, are there like other things? I think you maybe already covered this, the common things that us go along with migraine. You talked about the symptoms and kind of how that feels. And it was one-sided pain and pulsating nausea, vomiting, and all the sensitivities. Are there other conditions that you see along with migraine very frequently. Yes. I think some people get that visual aura. Some might describe it as kaleidoscope vision. It's in both eyes. And unfortunately, it doesn't happen for most people with migraine, but it can be very disturbing. So that's one thing that can sometimes go along with migraine. Another very common symptom that people with migraine have to deal with is neck pain. Even if you don't have neck problems, your neck might really bother you during migraine. As you mentioned, also the nausea, vomiting, photosensitivity, sound sensitivity. Another big area for misdiagnosis is sinuses, where somebody's often diagnosed as having sinus headache or sinus infection, and they're treated for months for with antibiotics when it's often migraine. So. That's an important distinction to make, and very often a neurologist can make that, but sometimes the primary doctor is just not in tune to it. They think that the person that looks like they have a sinus infection um, is actually having a sinus infection when it really could be migraine. And dizziness, there's a whole subcategory of um, or subdiagnosis of migraine called vestibular migraine, where people can sometimes not even get the headache piece, but they get... Uh, dizziness, vertigo, and a sense of disequilibrium all the time that is from actual migraine and no other diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you came back to nutrition because of your migraine 
And what was that like? You'd left, you came and you, were you thinking, I've got this migraine, maybe diet can help? Did you find some information about it? What was that like? I I came to it because there was so much conflicting information on the internet. And this was many years ago. Now there's even more conflicting information. But um, Mm -hmm. at the time, I knew that there, I knew diet was part of my issue. I knew that I was eating certain foods and not feeling well after them. So I was pretty intent on figuring it out, but I was very frustrated that there was no help from licensed professionals. There was really nobody I could call and make an appointment with to help me to figure it out in a way that I was comfortable with. I mean, there, you know, you can find some people on the internet that say they're going to help, but I just didn't have a lot of confidence. So I just did a lot of research on my own and I was pretty determined after helping myself to get better to earning my credentials back because I had let my registration status lapse. So I had to become a registered dietitian all over again. And here I am. I'm just dedicated to working with my partners at Migraine Strong to get the message out to the masses about what you can do with diet. Well, that was a bit of work to get back here. Thanks for that. And you struck on some heartstring for me that when you're looking for someone to help you and you can't find someone that you can get help from is the worst feeling. And then you're just kind of stuck with pouring through the literature and the research. So I had that same experience uh, once upon a time. Yeah. And you know, you go to some of your more conventional doctors that are wonderful, but you know, you leave with like five different prescriptions and you're thinking, well, okay, well, is there something else that I can do alongside this or in place of some of these medications? And they really just don't have good information. And you and I both know as registered dietitians, doctors don't really get much training at all in nutrition. So unless they have a special interest in it, they really don't know how to use diet to help with some of these chronic conditions. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of options, right? Just even uh, for us, I would look to you for migraine diet information above myself. So on that note, what do we know about migraine and diet? Well, there's a lot that you can do with managing migraine with diet. There is no one approach. There are a number of approaches that can really work. And, you know, when I had first started out, I think we all have our own biases of what worked for us, but over the years working with thousands of people in social media, hundreds of people in, you know, that we've helped directly through our practice and the literature, I've opened up the approach that there are really a lot more ways to help people. When my original approach was really using what most people think of as the migraine diet, which tends to be a low tyramine uh, diet that's also lowish in histamine and we're actually low in in glutamate. And this diet was made popular by a headache specialist, Dr. David Buchholz from Johns Hopkins in his book, The Heal Your Headache Diet. So we love that diet to help people to figure out what their food triggers are. So that diet is one that we often recommend to help identify food triggers in a kind of a more traditional elimination diet way. You focus on foods that are commonly not migraine triggers. Mm -hmm. You stay on that diet for a number of months. And then once you're feeling better and hopefully your system has calmed down and you have fewer attacks, then you reintroduce foods. 
Go ahead. I'm- well, I was going to say, there's a couple things I want to say there. And one is you just said months, but that is, and I prefer to address you know, sensitivities in weeks. But then I remembered this is a pain mediated condition. There's something about pain mediated conditions that are slow to respond. They just do not resolve as quickly. Rheumatoid arthritis is more like a month before you see some changes. And so this is probably similar. So that would be my first question is it seems to take longer with that elimination to actually see changes. And maybe also because of the frequency of migraines, but that seems to be more of the norm in this subset. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I do think that for some people, it takes a long time. I had visited an ENT doctor and she said that I had central sensitization meaning that it was kind of like the pain switch in my brain had been turned on. So she said that it's very difficult at that point to try to figure out how to get the pain switch off. So the way that I I try to explain to people is that if your brain is in that mode where almost every day or many times per month, you're triggered into a migraine cycle, it may take a while to get your system calmed down enough and notice significant relief. Mm -hmm. You also talked about tyramine, histamine, and glutamate. So I don't think, I mean, you and I have worked in food sensitivities for quite a while, but before I did that as a dietitian, I didn't know what tyramine was. So I suppose it's a good idea for you to define tyramine, histamine, glutamate, maybe some examples, however you want to define those natural food chemicals. Well, tyramine and histamine are considered biogenic amines. They're naturally occurring. You won't find them on food labels. They're just part of food. They are particularly concentrated in certain foods. So some of the bigger ones, the more problematic foods for people that have migraine, in no particular order here, I'll just rattle a few off. It would be foods like raw onion, wine, aged cheeses, fermented foods, including foods like yogurt and sour cream, citrus, nuts, peanuts, avocados, bananas, leftovers, because it's part of basically the aging or the degradation process in the food that causes the tyramine and the histamine to build up. Protein powders, a lot of people that are making a smoothie in the morning or in the afternoon and throw in a scoop of protein powder, are they're adding tyramine, histamine, and glutamate into that. And Mm -hmm. they're thinking that they're being very healthy, but that could be something that's really triggering them. Mm -hmm. So brown bananas and brown avocados would be high in tyramine because those are those visual aged foods, right? Or even just foods that have sat in the fridge all week are going to accumulate tyramine, right? Absolutely. The roast chicken that somebody has on a Sunday night is probably fine. But if you're eating the leftovers on Wednesday, the tyramine and histamine content are probably pretty high. Mm-hmm. So that might not be okay on Wednesday mm-hmm. or even Tuesday. And there's basically, you can tell from the list, there's a lot of healthy foods that are high in histamine and tyramine can accumulate in anything, right? And so it's kind of obnoxious at first, right? Because it just kind of feels like everything, doesn't it? It really is. It's very hard when you first are learning about this because you're like, wow, those are all such healthy foods. And you know, those are like the mainstays of my diet. What am I mm-hmm. going to do? There really are plenty of things that you can have, but when you look at a diet, you know, the, the avoid and include list, the avoid list is can be really overwhelming. 
So it's a good idea to get support, whether it's seeing a registered dietitian about how to implement it or finding a, a group like ours in Facebook that helps people to navigate the diet and understand food labels, it can definitely be overwhelming. So you talked more about tyramine and histamine. Will you speak a little bit to glutamate? Sure. Um, glutamate is also naturally occurring. Most people probably think of oh, glutamate. Where have I heard that before? And that's in monosodium glutamate. And I think most people with migraine have heard that MSG or monosodium glutamate is a migraine trigger. But what they don't understand is that glutamate is a naturally occurring food component from normal fermentation and processing of a lot of foods that are actually quite delicious and unique tasting. For instance, a lot of Asian sauces are made with fermented soy. Now, when during the process of fermenting the soy and making it into soy sauce, there's naturally occurring glutamate that's produced. So even if you go to a, an Asian restaurant, whether it's for you know sushi or if it's a Chinese food place, and you say, well, you know, don't make it with any MSG, they're not making it with added MSG, but they're adding high glutamate ingredients to your food that give it that very unique Asian meaty flavor from the soy sauce and some of the other components that they use. Is monosodium glutamate or MSG, is it a man-made, like, is it naturally occurring ever or is it man-made always? You just talked about naturally occurring glutamate, but when does it change to be MSG specifically, which is what makes Doritos so irresistible and delicious, right? Well, I mean, just what saying like all the foods that you can't quit eating or people can't quit eating probably have MSG in them, probably. <laughs> well, it is delicious. I have to admit that I love MSG and it's man-made. You can go and buy a seasoning called Accent and that is MSG. You can actually, in some places, you can go and buy a container of monosodium glutamate. So that is man-made in a factory. But the glutamate that is present in things like soy sauce and also hydrolyzed proteins that are in our protein bars and protein powder, nobody is standing there with monosodium glutamate and adding that. It is a natural process that occurs during the fermentation and the, I'm not a food scientist. However, they're making the hydrolyzed protein. I don't know if it's the hydrolysis or something else in the process, but there's glutamate that's being formed without adding monosodium glutamate. Mm. So we've talked about the heal your headache diet, which is kind of low tyramine and low histamine and glutamate ish, but is there other approaches to migraine and diet? Yes, I think that there are a number of ways that people can get in better control of their migraine without going through the heal your headache diet. I like that because it helps to identify food triggers. I think in general, staying away from highly processed foods is probably good for everybody. It's good for your overall wellness, but it's very good for migraine. And one of the reasons that I say that there have been some, a couple of studies pretty recently that have shown improvement when you take out a lot of the processed foods that were high in omega-6 oils. There was a study done in 2021, very recently, that looked at a diet that was high in fish oil and low in vegetable and seed oils. So what they concluded from this is that there was a significant improvement in migraine attacks 
for the people that had a high fish oil diet at the same time as having a diet that was low in omega-6s or low in vegetable oils and seed oils that tend to come from the highly processed foods in our diet. So in terms of another approach to managing diet, I would say high fish oil and low processed food, low omega-6 diet would be one. I also hear a lot of people that just try going gluten-free. And just by taking gluten out of their diet, they do better. And some people find that dairy is a trigger for them. So, you know, there are quite a few ways that you can go about trying to manage migraine, but it takes some time. It takes some troubleshooting. And I think it's good to have a professional guiding you so that you can figure out based on the way you eat, based on your lifestyle, which approach might be best for you first. Mm -hmm. And I know you use a very custom approach in practice sometimes based on blood testing that we're both familiar with. And sometimes that can be helpful. But what about the Charleston diet? I see you talk about that all the time in your Facebook group as well. What is that? Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because the Charleston diet is more restrictive than the heal your headache diet for certain food categories. But the Dr. Carol Foster, who developed that diet, also thought it was important to be mindful of how frequently you ate, you know, having regular meals. And she also wanted people to stay away from foods that were high in sugar and carbs. So that we like as well, but it does tend to be a little bit more restrictive. And, you know, one of the diets that I failed to bring up is the low carb or ketogenic diet for helping migraine as well. So that's an entirely different approach. And that is also very effective because some people insist that sugar and carby foods are what triggers their migraine. Yeah. So it sounds like the Charleston diet is focused on largely stabilizing blood sugar a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And then what I hear about, you know, so we all need stable blood sugar for hormones, which kind of makes sense if there's a hormone relationship in migraines. But when I think about keto being useful also, I think that could have some utility. I mean, I go as a person who like knows about food things as probably your brain does too. It starts to categorize why that would be effective or why it's masking another issue potentially. So when I, a lot for the people that come into my practice, which may not be the same as coming into your practice for migraines, if I'm looking at someone with like bloating or food, other types of food sensitivities or whatever, and their issues are caused by carbs and they go on keto, I think, well, that's a dead ringer that you've got a gut issue. But if you have a gut issue or a gut imbalance, you can have a blood sugar stability issue. You can have a histamine processing issue because the gut does kind of tell us whether we're going to be able to, it impairs the enzymes that would break down histamine and help us eliminate them essentially. Right. So I suppose like nothing's in a silo is my, is the bottom line. Absolutely. It could be any of those things that you mentioned. And if they're truly in ketosis, like if if it's not just a low carb, low, you know, like it's not that they just eliminated sugars and other carby foods. If they are truly in ketosis, it might be the ketones that are bringing on the magic here. It Mm -hmm. could be that being in ketosis is biochemically better for their metabolism. Like they may have some mitochondrial dysfunction or they may have some, like their neurochemistry or their neuroinflammation might Mm -hmm. be affected 
by just having more ketones in their bloodstream rather than few ketones in their bloodstream. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. I mean, that's kind of one of the things keto could do is, you know, people talk about brain clarity. Well, there's some neuroprotective effects potentially there. And there's a lot of like back and forth. I think we're both fans of experimenting with things and seeing what works. And some things for me, most things are like, I want to get to a sustainable level that works well. There's a lot of attrition on some things that are a little bit extreme. That's my personal view on that note. You know, that's kind of leads into a question I have, which is what are some of these challenges with migraine and diet? So you can speak to some challenges, but I'm also thinking about side effects of restriction and, you know, just like what are challenges of migraine and diet? And then what are some unexpected consequences of people? I think the real question is like, what are some mistakes that people make when they're trying diet as well? Well, I think I fear that one of the mistakes I just contributed to, because I talked about so many different approaches that people get confused and then they just decide to do nothing. Mm -hmm. So it was not my goal to confuse anybody, but I know I just, I mentioned several approaches. I think you have to figure out which diet you can stick with and to really commit to it for a few months and see what you can do. So I think sometimes people don't give it enough of a shot to see what will help them. So they'll, they'll try one diet for a month and then they'll say, oh, that's it. It didn't work. I didn't feel any better. So then in their minds, they say, I have no food triggers. So it's not food. Whereas, you know what? They might not have food triggers. It might not be eating a banana triggers a migraine for them. It might be something more along the lines of reducing neuroinflammation. So it might be a high fish oil diet for them. And when I say high fish oil, I mean fishy, I mean oily fish, not necessarily just taking supplements. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it might be manipulating their diet in another way, not just trying to find a food trigger. It might be trying to figure out how to reduce your overall inflammation and your neuroinflammation. So that would be one thing is not giving it enough time. Another big mistake that I see people make is putting too much emphasis on diet. When you have high frequency migraine or chronic migraine, the chance that diet is really going to take care of all of it is pretty slim. Very often you need medications and diet helps, but diet is not probably not going to get you 75% better. It will get you better, but not 75% better. So sometimes people stay on the diet too much or just keep going on this diet merry-go-round trying to figure it out. And sometimes that can lead to some unhealthy relationships with food. I do see people that I'm concerned about in terms of their degree of food fear or their paralysis and not wanting to get off of a diet or being on the same diet for several months, not feeling better, but still not willing to stop with that diet. So that's another big mistake that I see people make. It's hard to separate emotion, emotions and like objectivity and rational brain sometimes, especially when you're in pain, you know? So sometimes we all get a bit desperate in a painful place, right? And it doesn't allow us to think as clearly and as rationally. And the easy way to say it is it's hard to see the label on the bottle when you're inside the bottle and trying to navigate that. I mean, I'm not an exception to that. I mean, we all have that same exact issue. We could apply it to any 
piece of life, whether it's food or business or relationships or whatever, right? Sometimes you need someone on the outside to kind of help you see the inside. I would be concerned, but you said it in a different way that if they execute kind of poorly, they will become undernourished, which is a common issue. Anytime someone's trying something new, you can go about it with like a healthy optimism, or you can go about it in like a victim mindset mode, right? Where it's like, well, I guess I have to do this because I have this thing, right? Instead of like a healthy detective is probably a slightly better way to go about food things and to realize that maybe this isn't the issue or maybe it isn't forever. I'm always just trying to put a positive spin (laughs) on something that may not always be positive. Absolutely. And I do think, you know, it is hard if you have chronic pain, it's hard to be positive about it. But I think in terms of diet, there's usually something else to try without being on like the diet merry-go-round. But I think you have to find a professional that will help you because I think we both want people to be able to have joy in their life and to participate socially and be able to go out to dinner and go to parties and be able to participate without feeling like they're so constricted on the diet of the month. Mm -hmm. So that I think is really important as well as finding somebody with the experience to navigate you through what might be the crux of your inflammation or your whatever's triggering your attacks. Mm -hmm. I think that you have a large community of people looking for help. So someday I'm looking forward to the migraine strong practitioner training on migraines or migraine coaches. So you can impact more people and help more people because that's the thing is like, someone can help you kind of pick out the issues in your approach sometimes, but it's hard to do it. You know, I'm sure you guys can do it all, all the time. What would you say to a woman or a man that's just feeling kind of stuck? Speaking about that emotional piece, what's your advice to a woman who just is feeling really incapacitated by a migraine, a monthly migraine or every two weeks or, or however often where she's getting stuck in that dark room with that light and sound sensitivity can't even listen to things, you know, for a day and is just kind of bummed about it. What would you want to tell her? Well, I think there's so much to tell her. There's a lot of things that you can do that are, that don't require medications. But if that person is at the point where they're debilitated a few times per month, I think they really need to press their doctors to find a good acute medication. And there are so many, there's so many, and there are a lot that don't have I mean, everybody's different, but there are a lot that really don't have a lot of side effects. And so I think that person, rather than trying to tough it out in their room or thinking that they might've done something wrong by eating something, or they didn't do their diet well enough, and it's their fault, they should find a good acute treatment for their medication, for their attack. In terms of what they can do when they really just want to make it go away, there are a few things that we have on our favorites page. And one is the Alley lamp. This is a lamp that is a green light therapy, which my partners and I were so skeptical when this Harvard researcher approached my partner and was like, can you review this? I think it took her a long time to actually want to review it, but the Alley lamp really helps her. And we've all used it and we all love the Alley lamp. It really, it helps with just kind of ratcheting back the intensity of the attack. It helps with light sensitivity. It helps with nausea. And it's so simple and it's totally natural. It's all. Why does it work just because of the wavelengths? And how do you spell it? LA is A-L-L-A-Y. And we have actually 
four reviews of it in on our website on migrainestrong.com. But it is, it's the wavelength, uh, it's, the, it's this very specific wavelength of light that works on your brain to kind of unwind the migraine. Mm. And it's wonderful. There are also migraine glasses that can help. Ginger is another, it's a natural abortive. Mm-hmm. Um, there are good studies that support the use of it. Personally, ginger helps me about 50% of the time. It's not as fast as a medication, but to try to use less medication, I will use ginger. And you could try ginger in a number of forms. You could just use the spice. You can use supplement, you know, the, the actual capsules. Some people like ginger tea. Some people just grate up ginger and eat it. The headache hats are really helpful. A headache hat, the ice hats, Oh, I think I've heard of this. Do they also use them? Actually, you speak. I was thinking of something else. I was wondering if they use these in actually hair loss as well, but maybe not. Apparently not. Um, The the headache hat, I I know what you're talking about with the hair loss ones, and I don't have information on that, although hair loss is a big deal in the migraine community because some of the medications cause hair loss. But I don't know about those specific hats. But the ice wrap hats, I mean, Headache Hat is one brand, but there are a number of brands. We like the one from Cold Tech, but there are a number of different brands. The thing we like about Cold Tech is the way that the ice doesn't sweat. So, because, you know, when you're using these, you're putting this cap of ice on your head, you don't want the condensation to make your hair. <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. want to get a wet head from it. Right. So, um, there are some really good products out there that help ratchet the pain back. And then, of course, there's CBD oil and, you know, the tinctures and the gummies that help certain people. But those are the things that between the migraine medication, the alley lamp, ginger, headache hat, and the CBD oil, those can often help to make the actual attack go away. Now, in terms of feeling better, there are essential oils, like some people really love lavender and peppermint. There are a number of brands out there with the little roller balls that you can put on your wrist and your neck or your forehead that help. And that can really do a lot in terms of helping somebody feel soothed. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing that somebody can do that is really getting tired of losing several days a month to migraine is to go see a neurologist. And if they're not getting better with their neurologist to seek the help of a headache specialist, that's somebody that's done a fellowship specifically in headache medicine. And most of the people in their waiting room are people that have headache disorders. So they tend to have a lot more up their sleeves than a general neurologist and certainly more up their sleeves than a primary care physician. Mm, That was such a helpful, helpful list of things I was unfamiliar with. I mean, I was familiar with the ginger abortive because of my interview with Dr. Harcourt, but otherwise the ally lamp, the migraine glasses, the headache hat or the ice wrap hat. And I mean, essential oils, you know, to have you endorse that. And then also just about if the neurologist doesn't work, there's other specialties because, you know, usually those are things you learn because you have to learn them. And so I'm hoping that someone's able to listen to this and find that a lot sooner. Thank you for that. Good chunk list. Really helpful. My pleasure. So where can people find you online? You can find us. We publish weekly on migrainestrong.com. So if you can head over there and subscribe to our uh, website, you will get our weekly blog sent to you. 
If you are in the Facebook community, you can check out Migraine Strong. It's a private group. So there's about 20,000 people in there. So if you want your privacy, it's like I said, it's a private group. And then, of course, on Instagram, same handle at Migraine Strong, we have a very active and fun Instagram profile. We try to keep things in our stories that are upbeat and positive, and that's growing every day. So we welcome contacting us and joining in and getting better and helping other people get better from what you learned. Yeah. You're such a ray of sunshine in a really difficult condition. So thank you so much for coming on today. I know I've reached out to you in years past about concerns I've had with migraines and clients and family, and you've been so gracious. So thank you so much for coming on and for finally sharing with our podcast audience as well. Well, it's been my pleasure to be here and I look forward to helping everybody that that wants to reach out and get in touch with us or just to participate in our groups. All right. Thanks. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.